we are officially launching a Patreon. The goal has always been to make this a paying gig for myself and my guests. And if you are inclined to help us make that happen now, you can. We are at patreon.com slash what's my thesis. We have one tier. Our goal is $300 a month right now. And once we achieve that goal, we will take that money and start paying guests for their appearances, even past guests. We'll start with them. But the reason I started the show is because I value artists as culturally relevant. As a group, we are trained to think critically as our discipline, which is not something you can say for other industries. Patreon.com slash what's my thesis. And if you want to help us out, but you can't do it financially, you can leave us a review right now on your phone. Like, yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And this is going to be fun because I th- I've actually tried to practice on this one. I used to think your name, <laughs> Sydney, <laughs> mm-hmm. was... Oh, may- I'm just going to say what I think it is now yeah. because I can't remember. Uh, it's Karaskri? Yeah. <laughs> you did it really well. I feel like it's actually a hard name I, I, to say, even for me. Yeah. It's just it's just Croskery, but for some reason, every time you know, like first day of school or whatever, they're like Crosky, mm. Crosky. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten like Cross Creek, Cross Street. I'm like none of those letters no, are in I, there. <laughs> I think I even added syllables. In my in my initial before I actually made the effort, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, but I think if you actually take the time to read it phonetically, I mean, this is fascinating to people, I'm sure. <laughs> Loving it. But it's uh, it's easier to read phonetically if you actually make the effort to read through it. Like mm-hmm. there are some names where you just like you're like, wait, those letters like Sarde <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or Sade. What uh, Sade? Do you remember from the, the '90s R&B singer? Sade. Sade. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like she every day of her life, yeah. she was probably like before she was famous, she was like it's Sade. <laughs> They're like Sadie. No, motherfucker. It's Charday. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you, assholes? <laughs> That's the only way around that. You just have to become a famous R and B singer so that everybody just like says it correctly. Exactly. When it's like that. So we know each other. How? Do, well, do I met you first through Maiden, L.A. I know. I keep saying that, like, forgetting that there's this other thing. I know. I always have <laughs> to, like, well, I was in Made in L.A., and people are like, oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, no. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I would love to be. In my no. house in Made in L.A. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we met then. 
Uh-huh. And then we just sort of see each other around. around. Yeah. And then and you then were at OPATH. At OPATH. Which is like my new favorite memory of putting a lot of effort into something. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this. Like people sometimes are like, wait, why are you doing this? <laughs> and, and it's like, I don't know, to do it. Right? Yeah, why not? It was, uh, I was actually like, super exhausted afterwards and my body hurt like after the first day after Saturday I was driving home and I had to so I had like a that installation and I left the bulk of the installation sort of the ground the the blanket I had for those of you in the audience, I had like a canvas circular thing and it's sort I of a gallery. I take exception to you addressing my audience like that. <laughs> okay. That was very condescending. <laughs> it was trying to be very like cool person, professional. But um, I loaded all the art into the into my car, you know, so it was safe. I didn't like leave it out for the elements uh-huh. and drove it home. So I was leaving and I actually had to pull over on the side of the road and like nap because oh, I was Jesus. like, I don't know. Yeah, because like, it's it's not an easy drive, especially I've been, yeah. <laughs> I've been going since like whatever seven in the morning or six thirty in the morning. It was it was like yeah. six thirty, and I was like, maybe I should just like sit, yeah, close my eyes. Yeah, so. I was I I was also in the same boat after Opaf, but. In a very, like, it's it's kind of like a blissful exhaustion. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't like, oh, fuck, I'm so tired yeah, and no. miserable. But I was definitely like, it took me, I mean, I'm embarrassed, but like, I wasn't even responding. Like, people were like promoting the show and I was too exhausted to even <laughs> respond and like do the, the appropriate thing of like being like, oh, thanks for coming on the show. I was just like dead. I couldn't, I was like, you yeah. know, I couldn't do anything. And I think the first thing I said to you when you walked in was that <laughs> my house is an utter mess because I'm still catching up from that. Like, yeah, totally. Just, oh man. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. I think though too, that's like the beauty of being an artist too. Like every project we do is that sort of, what did you say? Blissful exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. Like we are just wrecked, you know, all the time, (laughs) but it's like a happy wrecked. It's different. Well, but I mean, I think in terms of like just how many listeners I've gotten from doing OPAF, Mm -hmm. you know, like it opened up the community and there was like a lot of people definitely helping me promote the show at OPAF. But like, I can see the tangible result, like, you know, I, I can, I have a tangible thing where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm getting downloads. Right. But as like an artist that just did it and like, I, it's, I think it might be a little bit more intangible, but still satisfying in Mm -hmm. in, in a very specific way where like, I don't think maybe if I didn't have the downloads, I don't think I would be aware of like how much I got out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I had just been out there and there was like no metric, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it would have still been rewarding, but like I wouldn't have seen the impact that participating had. You right. get what I'm saying? Like I do. Yeah. Although I think if you didn't have the metric, you would look in different ways. Yeah. Like, yeah. You'd measure it you, differently. Did you do OPAF the year before? The no, first year? I mean, I was there uh, with Made in LA helping mm-hmm. them out. Because I loved the way, and I I really was only, my only regret of OPAF is that I really ran through the whole thing. Because I felt sort of uncomfortable or guilty or responsible leaving other people's art. Just like, not that anyone was going to take it. I just felt like Mm -hmm. I should be there and talk about it and, ooh, sorry, not um, 
just not leave the work, yeah. you know? So I, I did like a pretty quick run through, but I loved your guys exhibit and I loved, you basically made like wooden oh, sort of things yeah, and yeah, stuck yeah. them in the ground, yeah, yeah. which was so cool. It was super fun. I, I, I really enjoyed like building something. I haven't built anything in like at least a decade, like mm-hmm. that of that level where I needed to get, I bought a circular saw mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like, I, I'll show you how I built those cause I still have them. I couldn't throw them out. They were so awesome. But yeah, but it was like, I, I got to route. I got to, you mm-hmm. know, like I got to make like a little cavity for little pieces of metal to go in. It was just so much fun. I was like in fucking heaven. But then I forgot how much actual physical labor it was going to be. So like I tried to front, I even tried to front stack the week where I was like, I'll just do all the building at the beginning of the week. I mean, Mm. all the remaining building because I didn't leave it all to like the last minute. But um, and then I tried to rest the rest of the week. But it was really such an intense like effort to just keep going. Mm -hmm. And then like, yeah, I totally understand that feeling. It's been the it. It was the first time in a long time that I had a continuing like to-do list that didn't stop and I was happy to do it, but it, I was also like looking forward to it being over Mm -hmm. and like, but where I was doing it for myself instead of like for, you know, an employer, you know, like when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're just driving yourself that to that level of like, yo, I'm going to fucking do this. Yeah. You know, instead of like, I have to do this because I need to keep my job and shit like that, which yeah. is just miserable. Well, that's what I was saying. Like the blissful exhaustion. Yeah. Like I don't leave my job job like, <laughs> blissfully. <laughs> that was wonderful. Oh. You know, but I mean, I've definitely, I'll still remember when I was in undergrad and we had like our, you know, graduate, actually it wasn't my graduate show, but it was like at the end of the year you know, open studio kind of situation. And I was up all night getting everything done. And I went home and I think I slept for like five minutes and then I had to go back, you know, Mm. on the train. And I remember I was holding a cup of coffee and I totally fell asleep, like (laughs) spilled the coffee all over myself. And I was like, this is so awesome. Like I'm so (laughs) tired that, you know, filled with this like art exhaustion that I just spilled hot coffee all over myself. But you know, we're a weird bunch, dude. <laughs> we really are. Um, and I mean all of us, all artists, like, the, that we like that shit. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, cool. Do you, you have a topic, and I'm super excited because I'm curious about what you got for me. I do. And the, so the interesting thing is we talked on the phone. You told me a little bit about it, and I wavered between two topics. Uh-huh. One is sort of a, like a life topic, and one is sort of like what I'm dealing with with my art. And I did a little crash course of what's my thesis, and I listened to... Oh, And I had you. the idea. Like, we we had spoken, and I vaguely asked you, which do you like? Uh-huh. And you were sort of like, no, like, the life... The yeah, one yeah, that's, yeah. like, the life influence is a, is a good one, but whatever you want to do. So I, I listened to about four or five people's programs, and I thought it was so interesting that the one that I was that I had originally chosen, then I got worried, then I chose back, was in this weird way very similar to a couple other guests. So mine is Ashtanga Yoga. Okay. 
And the reason why it's interesting is because I listened to Nina Sarnelli's uh-huh. and um, Natalia, Natalia Kent. Kent. Yeah. And so both of those are sort of practice yeah, yeah, oriented. Which um, I've definitely learned <laughs> from. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I'm much more mindful. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So Ashtanga yoga, I've been doing it for about 14 years okay. now. And, you know, it's my, when you first asked, it's like, that's my go-to because that apart from art and like people, human mm-hmm. beings in my personal life, that's like the biggest focus yeah. for me. It's like a practice, right? Yeah. And the reason why I thought I might bring it up on this show is I learn a lot from it on like a daily basis, mm-hmm. but I think it's also the single most like influential thing to my art practice. And mm. I totally relate like every single lesson that I learned to like my art practice. Mm-hmm. So I'll just tell you briefly like what it, what it is. Yeah. And then I'll tell you the, the lessons the- I learned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like this. Cause I think it's really interesting and I'm constantly like, it's one of those things where like when you're in love and you're constantly looking at the person that you love and you're like, oh my God, I love you. Like 14 years in and I'm like, really? I love you, Ashtanga. Yeah. I'm like, a t- like I just, I love it. I believe yeah. in it, you know? Um, How I, old were you when you started? Um, well, it was 14 years ago. So I was 32. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to That's make okay. you get <laughs> Wait, That's okay. I didn't ask you how old you were. Right? <laughs> I asked you. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, oh, actually, I did ask you how old you were. And the question is uh, is more based in my, because like my dad used to make me meditate when I was eight years old. Oh, how cool. <laughs> how cool or cruel? Cool. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay, so this misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not no, how cruel. No, how I cool. just I do want to address that I do have some like um, repressed feelings that I guess come up when around meditation sometimes because mm-hmm. like my dad was like a super intense yogi. He would like meditate. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, <sighs> I don't know how much I can get into this, but my mom was worried that uh, it was a little too much, mm-hmm. um, and. Like, he would basically wake up at, like, 3 in the morning and, like, do these, like, weird things where he would, like, knock on his head and just very specific uh, practice that was, like, very present in the house. Okay. um, And was, like, prescribed to all the kids. (laughs) Does it have a name? Like, the just just For us, it was just uh, Yogananda. For us, it was a TM, but I think that he he followed this guy, Yogananda, which Mm -hmm. um, I don't know too much about. So it's Transcendental Meditation. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, So, no, but I just, like, I just realized that I was, like, feeling something a little bit, like... A little anxiety. A little anxiety. And I wanted to be like, oh, wait, I don't want you to... I don't want... I wanted to say it before it became like, wait, wait, but meditating is bad. Yeah. (laughs) You know, or like I snapped. No, 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 no. (laughs) It's like, that seems unhealthy. Yeah, no. It was a little tough at eight years old. And I did get into it. Yeah, I did get into it and I meditated a lot, but... um, 
but I don't meditate now. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, I think that if I'd gotten into it a little bit older, I'd have a different relationship with it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But so that, like, that's one of the things that these conversations with people about these practices is kind of bringing up for me and, and reminding me like, yeah, there is some reward despite my like aversion to like my experiences or, you know, it's tied in with family and discipline, sure. you know, which is like weird. Sure. It's not like freeing yoga. <laughs> right. And yoga is a little bit more body movement stuff, right? Right. Right. Well, and I think each practice, I mean, people are going to love it or hate it. Like there's a lot of people who hate Ashtanga for sure. Yeah, yeah. So basically what Ashtanga is, is super traditional. It's a moving meditation okay. and I need to start meditating. I am incredibly like high strung. Mm. I don't necessarily always look it, but... I am very tightly coiled and I have a lot of energy. Like right now I could like run up and down the street like five I times, can feel it, you yeah. know? <laughs> no, definitely. Um, so that for me, this practice is really good cause it, it kind of like tears, tires me out and mm-hmm. like gets me a little bit, um, more relaxed. But so what it is, is it's a very specific like sequence of poses all of this like sort of power yoga, flow yoga was taken from Ashtanga and like reordered to sort of like LA yoga. Um, That's another turnoff. <laughs> I'm, I have a really hard time with it just because... Everybody that comes on acknowledges that, that to talk about yoga acknowledges that. So I, yeah. I think that, yeah. Well, because I think it's very classic, like America, we like take a steak, cut the fat off, throw yeah. the meat away and leave the fat. And it's like, no, 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 you just took like the meat, even though any yogi would probably be like horrified that I'm using like steak as an analogy. (laughs) But (laughs) so basically it's a very set sequence of poses, almost like a dance routine, Uh right? And you do the same thing in the same order every time. Yeah. And the reason why is that like each step, it leads to the next each pose leads to the next pose and okay. goes to the next pose, to the next pose. So I almost think about it as like the alphabet. Like if you, if someone said to you, like recite the alphabet, you'd start from A, B, C, D, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The thing that I really... Is this like karate where there's different katas or is is the practice just one sequence? Um, I don't know a lot about karate, but there are, <laughs> there are levels. So <laughs> there, but I always call karate boy yoga. I know. So, <laughs> and I, I have That's a feeling, exactly what was cracking me up. <laughs> I have a feeling that Ashtanga is much more like relates much more to like karate than yeah. to like a power yoga, yoga class, class, you know? But um, is it but is it one sequence is the de- is, by definition or are there different sequences? There's series. There's series. Okay. So once you so the interesting thing the thing that I really love about it is it's totally individual. So like you and I could go into the same class mm-hmm. and we'll start at the same place. They're going to teach you the sequence A B C D E F G uh-huh. in order based on your body, your speed, your determination your you know like how much how how far you want to go how fast you want to go at your pace someone else's pace might be a little different some days I'm a little tired some days (laughs) I have much more energy so you it's really based on you so you go in but you still engage with the practice right yeah Yeah. well yeah I'll get to that so you you go into like a quiet room 
which also for someone like me who's like high energy and is like a blabber constantly to just not talk for a bit Mm. and like be quiet is like an amazing thing. So you go in, the teacher is there, you start your practice. The doors are open from like 6.30 to 10.30, depending on what studio. And you go in when you get there. Like if you want to get there at 8, you get there at 8. If you want to get there at 6.30, you get there at 6.30. And you start the sequence. Uh And the teacher is there and they will... For lack of a better, they're, they're going to adjust you. Like, uh-huh. so in that adjustment might be like correcting a posture, pushing you a little further in a posture, but mm. you're sort of on your own. It's like independent study, yeah, yeah. you know? And the thing that I love about it is it's like, it's to my schedule, to my lifestyle. Like some days I don't have, I don't sleep very well. Mm. Sometimes I don't. I go in and I have zero energy and I do like ABC and then I'm like, it's time for the nap now. That's Shavasana, you know? Um, Shavasana is is at the end and you like rest and you're like totally allowed to sleep, which is (laughs) so awesome. But, um, you know, other times I'm like gangbusters and I'm like, go to the end. And then there's different series. So I'm technically, I'm at the beginning of the second series. I should be much further uh-huh. like for 14 years yeah, I should yeah. be like crazy further but you know I I'm an artist and I have an art practice and I have a job like yeah, there's yeah. only so much that I can do you know so further along in the alphabet or in, have you yes so have you you've never completed the whole alphabet um well if the whole alphabet is I think there's like six five or six series is okay I only know of any people like in mm this human realm who have, (laughs) no, um, I only know of people who've gone into like the third series and that's like my teachers who've been practicing for, you know, 40 years and 20 years and you know what I mean? And they practice six days a week. So, but, but it is a sequence. So like you always do, let's let's, I just the first three series, you always do those three series. You never do the next ones or do you, I only do the first series and then I, I do the, first two poses of the second series. Okay. When I have sort of mastered the two poses of the second series, and my old mm-hmm. teacher also used to be like, what are they called? Like everything's in Sanskrit. Okay. So not only do you have to like feel really confident in the pose um, and feel like you have learned it, you, my teacher would make, make sure you knew the name of it out of like respect yeah, yeah. for the whole process. Um, and then you would go on. And I'm sort of like hesitant to add a bunch of poses because I'm really into like the process. Like uh-huh. I want to feel strong and I want to feel limber and the whole meditation side of it. It's a moving meditation. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of bad at that too. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to be more like f- focused and less like thinking about anything. Yeah, you know? yeah. So there are these different levels, but you you basically most people like for lack of a better Sure. I, I do the first series. Mm. I finish the first series. That's what I do for the day. Sometimes I do only half of it. Sometimes I do just a little bit. It just depends on like how I feel, how, how much time I have. Usually? It When I really do like the full thing, it's about two hours. Okay. So that's why I just don't, sometimes I, I get there late. I have to go to work. It just doesn't. But no one would ever do the last two 
pieces in a series just to do them. You would always no. have to do so it, to get to those. You would have to do like an eight-hour series, assuming. No, oh, no, 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 no. They just have a way. Okay, now I get your question. Yeah. yeah so that's when what, you're in at a certain point in second series, like a really good practice is to do all of first and then do like if you're say you're halfway into second series, mm-hmm. you would do all of first and half half of second. As you start adding on, they don't want you to practice for four hours. Okay. So they'll be like, okay, you're going to do half a first. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then you're going to jump. So through. it's more like a um, spectrum where you pick what, uh, or I guess you just pick where you start in the timeline. I'm thinking very much. Yeah, but it's like, like very prescribed. Okay. You know, like it's not like you choose. It's like, oh, okay, if you want to do it this way, then you're going to stop at this exact pose. Okay. And then you're going to go. And who prescribes that? The here. teacher? The, the, the system. The system. Okay. You know? Um, and so does that, does that yeah, make yeah. sense? Are you, and, and so your teachers that have been doing it for 40 years, they will sometimes go from like second to third, just for example. They they probably, yeah, I'm not exactly sure yeah, yeah. how the structure of their, because I'm not at that level. Yeah. Um, so I'm not totally sure how they how they do it. But um, I mean, it's something that you like really have to work for. You don't get to just like come in and be like, yeah, I want to go far. And then you just go far. No, no, you know? absolutely. Which, which I love about it. It like you, you really sort of work for it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I guess if, if I've explained it, yeah, yeah, I get enough. it. So it's, it's like, I mean, just to use another, uh, exercise that I know a little bit about, it's mm-hmm. like a Tai Chi sequence. That's one continuous sequence, but mm-hmm. you can do segments of it. Mm-hmm. And most of the, most people that do it only get up to third, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, like in a lifetime. Right. Yeah. So how many people in history have done the end of the sequence? Do you I know? I don't actually That's know. That's interesting. Um, I mean, it's definitely like a worldwide thing. It started in India. It's based on like ancient texts. Okay. It sort of Well, came, you said Sanskrit, so. Yeah. It came into being in like the early 1900s. And then the guy who like sort of popularized it, he started when he was like 12. His okay. name's Patabi Joyce. And he started like an institute. <clears throat> Um, in Mysore in India mm-hmm. and in, I guess like the seventies, all these sort of American hippie people started coming <laughs> over and it's, that's like at that point they would bring it to their home country, start teaching it. You know, yeah, people yeah. go, like I've never been to Mysore. You have to make like a two month commitment, but people go and yeah. like you get taught. And so the, the main guru, Patabi Joyce, he, he passed away, but his grandson is like the next in line. Uh-huh. And so you can go and study with him for like two months. And it's How su- much does that cost? It's not very expensive. It's just, I think it's really hard to get in okay. because it is like worldwide. And the mm. thing that's really interesting, it's not super common, but when you think of this one school and the whole world, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like in Los Angeles of all the, like, I don't know, there's probably what hundreds of yoga studios, maybe a thousand. Mm-hmm. There's like five that or six that do Ashtanga, you know? But the thing that's so cool is you can if it's Mysore style Ashtanga yoga, you can go in Los Angeles, you can go in Mexico City, you can go in Thailand, you can go in Spain, you can mm. go anywhere and it's going to be the exact same. 
Oh, cool. And I love that. Like, this is not your creative process. <laughs> mm. This is not something to like change. Like, this is the system. And if you like it, awesome. And if you don't like it, it's probably best yeah. to find something else. But you know? this isn't like something that's going to turn into like an Aum Shimrikyo where like all of a sudden people are going to get activated and like commit mass suicide or <laughs> wait what did you call it an ocean Aum Shimrikyo it, uh, uh-huh. that's maybe a bad example I couldn't think of the a, a better example uh I think I'm like Heaven's the, Gate the, no uh, yeah I actually <laughs> I'm like being, or Jonestown I'm, Jonestown is a little different I'm thinking more in terms of like the the solar temple where it's like people that like um People didn't really know that they were part of this cult oh. until they just killed themselves. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, because like sometimes what I was thinking about was the Maharishi or what's it, what's the guy? Um, not the Maharishi. That's the guy that that's the Beatles guy, right? Um, whoa, this is probably. I think a Mar- Maharishi is like a spiritual, like I, I think that's a yeah. title. Yeah, yeah, I, that's where I know that term from. I'm thinking of what's her name, the um, the guy, the, the uh, uh, wild wild oh, country. Yeah, yeah. What's that called? <laughs> yeah. uh, I forget. So, 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 uh, whatever. It's different. It, there's a definitely like a little, you know. I think with any sort of yeah. group, <laughs> I feel like with any group that's like excited about something, there's yeah. always like a culty thing I think, about it. I think it. that that's may have been like my mom's hesitant towards like uh-huh. my, like my dad was not allowed to teach me about uh, Yogananda, mm-hmm. which is cool. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> well, the thing that I also love about Ashtanga is it's it's very um, it's like very serious. Uh-huh. But it's also not very blabby. Like, like I said, you go in, it's quiet. The teacher. It's not a community where you hang out with people and talk. There is a community, but when you go into the class, um, I used to go to these other sort of yoga works, LA classes, <laughs> and because I've been doing yoga for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you'd have some blabby blabber in the front of the class, like trying to drop all this like enlightenment on you. And I'm like, <laughs> are you for real? Uh, you know, and it was sort of really like annoying and kind of patronizing. Yeah. And for as woo-woo as like Ashtanga can be, there is like none. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. there is. There's a whole philosophy with it, but I find that the teachers... But it's not a white dude at the head of the class telling you what it is. It's well, like the teachers more... are just... It, that's not the way the structure is. Like, yeah. if you want to learn, you go and learn at a different time. But in the class, they're not trying to, like... Because a lot of that sort of enlightenment is, like, I. it's... Is it for us as the students, or is it so that you can prop yourself up? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the whole Facebook thing, like... You know, it's hard because like we have to, we want to show our art we want to show our lives and we want to, you know, have fun. But then there's a lot of times where it's like, are we posting this just to like boost our own egos or is this, is this like real, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I haven't used Facebook in a while now. And you just said that made me think like, oh shit, I maybe should (laughs) because I'm not promoting my art. Um, but I mean, I do use a lot of Instagram, so I definitely relate to that sense, though, of like, um, but I, I do think that a lot more artists that, that, that the more I get into the art scene, I do think, I mean, not, not to just go off on the whole thing about uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do think that a lot of artists are still using it. And it surprised me because like, I, I just thought it was like for old people, but it doesn't seem to be. 
I still stay on a lot. And maybe I'm not even talking about the posting of like art shows or whatever, but it's like, I don't know. A lot of times I think the framework of Facebook, I mean, for sure, I think Mark Zuckerberg is like gnarly devil. Like I listened to all of the hearings, like I was in my studio and I was like, dude, you might as well run for president because you are just like a complete liar. You know, we covered on the show when at a a certain point he was talking like he was going to run for president. You could hear in the way that he was giving speeches. Well, he's such a politician, you know, but, um, I don't. And so how do I say this? I mean, I think Facebook is has a super negative effect yeah. on society, and I think it always will. But I don't necessarily think that that is his fault. I mean, there is the fault of the data mining and sharing and all and all that part that is mm-hmm. his fault. But I think just the platform of this tool where we're like on our phones, we have like no time. We're like fighting with each other, like all this like infighting. <laughs> People are just like, you know, we're writing and usually writing is like very thoughtfully done, but yeah. not on these platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so many times, and I know I must do it all the time too. Like even when I agree with friends of mine who are oh, saying yeah. things, it's still like the tone, every part of it is annoying. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's like, even when they get very political and I agree exactly with everything they say, <laughs> it still is like, there's just a really patronizing, aggressive, like annoying vibe to yeah. the delivery. Well, that, yeah, I, I stopped entirely Facebook mostly because I was just like, where am I getting my news from? Just mm-hmm. like people are just like posting things that doesn't necessarily make sense mm-hmm. to me. Like what, the it's a very um it's really difficult to sort of find anybody that i agree with nowadays yeah (laughs) so especially like a lot of entertainers like i really like a bunch of podcasts but then sometimes these people have political shows um where it's it's really difficult because I'm like, oh, you believe these things? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like distance <laughs> between them when I thought like, oh, I'm kind of like these people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that was my other topic is like, because this is what I'm dealing with in my own work, which is mm-hmm. like perception yeah. and misperception. And it's like, oh, it's such a, it's just a mess right Mm -hmm. now, you know, like all of facts and all of history and all of everything is like open to someone's interpretation. We don't have the right facts ever. And we don't know which is fact and which is opinion. And it's just, it's a big mess. And then add that it's always been that way. And then add to that Facebook article, like the, you know, huge news machine and the talk radio, like there's so many opinions right now. And yeah. And you're either in that bubble or you're not, Mm -hmm. you know, like you select your bubble and, and, uh, I don't know. I think I've been sort of kind of on this trip, especially just in general with the idea of, um, how we still approach the world in a very modernist sense where, where there's no accounting for, um, for pluralism and, and, and just the idea that there is no like right way Mm -hmm. that like in it, 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 you can take any ideology to its logical conclusion and it won't be right. 
because mm-hmm. it'll collide with another ideology that makes sense as well. Totally. You know, and so I find like, um, you know, I don't know. Not to, I don't. I'm trying to avoid making points that I made on like a, a recent episode that I just po- posted. But like, mm-hmm. just the idea. Uh, I do find perception very interesting in terms of like how we deceive ourselves mm-hmm. in, in many ways. So, totally. So I, I, I find that uh, I've actually been reading a lot of this guy Grant Morrison's work, this uh, comic book writer. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of really interesting, like he considers himself a postmodern magician, mm-hmm. which is a chaos magician. And that's actually been the best way for me to understand postmodernism in general because you know, I think that it's a term that a lot of artists use mm-hmm. and it can turn people off. But if you really think about it, it's it, like the idea of something being meta is postmodern mm-hmm. in, in, the, in and of itself because there is an awareness of, of the thought, mm-hmm. right? Whereas uh, you look at, like, for example, um, fascism is in and of itself a modernist approach to the world of thinking because there's this right way Mm -hmm. and there's homogeny and we just spread that. And I think a lot of times like it's not necessarily fascism, what people were talking about, but, um, like for example, I think that like a lot of fascism does not get called fascism because the Overton window has shifted so much to the right Mm -hmm. that like people that are on the left are actually not interested in human rights they're interested in resource extraction. Like, mm-hmm. for example, um, you know, the idea that Clinton was, like, good for people, but, like, all of his policies are very bright, you know, like, right, right. imprisoned people. Mm-hmm. And then they made the job market, the, the, the labor market became open and flexible, which meant that all the jobs could go wherever the fuck it was cheapest to go. But we were still bound by, as workers, we're still bound by national boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. So we couldn't go and live in the places that had cheap cost of living and then low price. So it fucks us. It was like a, a selling out that happened in, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I it's to me is, is just fascinating. We brought slavery back to the African continent mm-hmm. during neoliberal stuff. It's just, sorry, I'm going dark, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, this perception element is like very interesting to me because I do think that like, especially in politics, it's, uh, I just read articles and all I do is I'm like, this isn't true. I can tell by the way you wrote this, what your agenda is, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, it, it, it's almost, um, it's that thing that Chomsky says where like, you're either, if you don't read the paper, you're uninformed. If you read the paper, you're misinformed, Right. <laughs> but that all the facts are in there. You just have to like, look at it at the right angle. I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing from somebody that paraphrased that. So, okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, I find that shit interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, um, just like they put a, uh, a right wing puppet in our government. Right. That's what we do. <laughs> that's right. what, like, that's what empire is about because you can control the right wing. Right. Yeah. And now with everything so polarized, I just feel like everyone is, it's like you have your belief system and then you're just looking for those particular facts yes. that back up your beliefs yeah. You know what I mean? Which like, is what, and just which extracting. Goes the, which goes to my point about modernism, right? Mm-hmm. There's no accounting for pluralism in that mentality. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a selective listening mm-hmm. to how it... And Hasn't that come up a few times? 
What do you mean? Wait, was that um, selective listening? No, you had something else. Deep Never listening. Mind. Yeah. yeah, I was listening. like, that's come up in a few. Yeah, deep listening, yeah, and and uh, especially those two. I guess it's the total opposite of selective listening. Yeah, deep exa- listening. <laughs> no, but 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 it's relevant to what we were talking about, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I I do think like I think that there's a lot of similarity between people that insist that there's like Russian meddling and like the birthers. Like it's the same mm-hmm. impulse of like this guy's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think that a lot of white people in this country just freaked the fuck out when this guy got elected because and it and it and it betrays like this weird class element. Right. Where it's it, it, it's like racism towards the things that back home you know, are a little embarrassing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like bigotry against Trump, which represents all the horrible things of white people, right? (laughs) Like, like he, he's racist, he's sexist. It's, he's like the fucking patriarchy embodied in a human being, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But there's a whiteness to him that is like a little bit, hits too close to home. For example, one of the things that I, as I'm researching Latin America, I'm realizing that like, one of the things that all Latinos have is that we come from countries that let, let back home, you know, like, I mean, for me, back home is Miami, but back home for my parents is Cuba. Back home for Venezuelans is Venezuela. Back home for Nicaraguans is Nicaragua. Back home for Salvadorans is El Salvador, whereas back home for a lot of white people is like Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like a very different experience where like our countries are getting fucked by Americans. Right, exactly. <laughs> and like... Uh, but like you guys are really upset about Trump because it it's, it reminds you of shit that is very ugly about your place. Like if I mean I I totally understand if Marco Rubio got elected I would be disgusted you know to president because like he's like I think he's Cuban you know but mm-hmm. like but it's like the ugliest parts of your shit gets ex- exposed and I mean he's not that different policy wise mm-hmm. than like like that's why the 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 left is is with him on. Um, I'm sorry. I'll take it out of politics. We're talking about embodiment practices <laughs> and perception. But yeah, take over. Take over. <laughs> well, oh, I have to just take a deep breath after yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah, sorry. Political. No, that's fine. I mean, it's like one of those things. Like, how do we deal with that? It's another huge anxiety, yeah. you know, causing thing. Um, so... I guess the reason why, I mean, I think everyone has their own sort of like practice that makes them feel happy and whole and and all these things. But the reason why I decided to talk about that on this show Mm -hmm. is because of how much it relates to like my studio practice. And I think, you know, I've been painting for probably like 30 years Mm -hmm. and I would say that I learned way more about like a practice yeah. From Ashtanga than from just um, being like just, a you know, an artist, like having a studio and, you know, making work and stuff. And I think it's because I learned that discipline of like, you know, they have like one of those cheesy things. Like the most important thing is to show up to the mat. But it is really true. And I have they really take it to heart. Like yeah. the important thing is to like get in that room set up your mat. Sometimes I've literally like not felt good or whatever and been there for like 10 minutes. But guess what? That was like 10 minutes 
that I actually did something. So the next day it's going to be even easier. And it's like the idea of showing up to your studio, whatever that means, if your studio, you know, showing up to the the place or the mind space or, you know, whatever. It's similar to how people do the morning pages from Mm -hmm. the artist way, where it's like, if you show up to the blank page, show up to the mat, like you, um, you're never going to come up with your masterpiece from just like waking up exactly. and like showing up and painting it. You know? Exactly. You're going to do it by like making errors and, and being part of it. And, and all of the <clears throat> steps, which is like also what I love about Ashtanga. It's like each pose brings you into the next pose. Yeah. And so that's what happens in the studio as well. Mm-hmm. Like you don't just like go from zero to 60, like you're going and also in like your career too. It's yeah. like those were things that, um, I think I used to have like a more really silly idea that someone would get, you know, sort of like a big break. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like an art career is a series of like very, very small steps. Yeah. And as it should be, you know, I mean, some steps might be bigger to the next step, but like, it's not like someone goes from like being an unknown to like having a museum show, (laughs) you know, like you, it's a, it's a really long haul and the steps are small and they're really, really important. And when you do the same thing every day, and I'm saying this in like a physical way, but it's manifested in, in my studio. It's like, you know, you're doing this same pose. I've done some of these poses. I don't know. I could do the math thousands of times Uh and you tweak something ever so slightly and you go, Whoa, that's different. (laughs) And the same thing happens in your studio. You know, it's like you do something, Oh, now, okay. You know, and, and learning every day, changing every day, that bar, you know, you're asking me about the series and it's like, there really is a rising bar every mm-hmm. day in Ashtanga. And I feel like there's a rising bar, you know, for my own personal studio practice. Like I, I mean, I definitely make some zinger crappy works all the time and I like toss them. Yeah. But you gotta I, get them out. Yeah. I think you always hope that your like latest work is your best. Yes. You know, because it's, it's the culmination of where you've been yeah, so yeah. far, you know? Um, I don't think this relates to Ashtanga, but I've also learned that um, if I make a bad something, like a bad drawing or a bad painting or something, like in the past, mm-hmm. I used to be like, I can work through it. And now I'm like, cut that shit. <laughs> like, I'll like toss it, I'll restretch the canvas, I'll like throw away yeah, the piece yeah. of paper. Like, as soon as it's tainted, and maybe I can relate it to Ashtanga, like if I, um, there was one day I went in and I was like guns a blazing, you know, like mm-hmm. I was just like going full speed ahead. But with I had the painting for- or with the with, in, sorry in Ashtanga. Okay. But I had forgotten. At a certain point, I went, "Whoa, I feel really weird. I feel super weird." And then I was like, "Oh my god, I had like three glasses of wine last night. Like, didn't remember, <laughs> you know, and basically had to like stop." right then and there, like day is done, you know? (laughs) But, um, I think, yeah, I didn't really learn. Like, I mean, a lot of, I think I worked really hard as an artist for, Mm. for so many years, but I don't think that I understood discipline in the same way. Yeah. Like that's a different thing. I think, and I think discipline is a, 
it's almost synonymous with practice in terms of the way that we're using it. Where mm-hmm. like where but it's less um uh stern or mm-hmm. like harsh of a word to apply to yourself. Like if you're like, oh this is my discipline, maybe it's a way of glorifying it. I'm just not really into discipline, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as a concept. Mm-hmm. But like prog- practice is like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm practice and practice implies that you're going to get better. Right. You know, so. Well, and that's the thing too. Like we were talking about, um, I'm a huge fan of Michael Shaw, the artist conversation uh-huh. podcast. Well, you're not and actually not allowed to plug other podcasts on here. Sorry, I'm not plugging. <laughs> um, but he has like a thing where he hates the word practice. Like yeah. it's his like nemesis. My nemesis is when artists say, um, play. Play, oh yeah. I use play in my work. I can't, I want to die. I cannot stand it. But practice is a big, like, sore point for him. And I think, I think I view practice, it is a sort of an annoying word when people, I think people use it as like a noun. Like, I make video and installation my practice is video installation Mm. drawing and painting it's like no those are things that you make you know whether you do you know performance yes or whatever i'm gonna put it in the same envelope as like the object those are the objects that you are making but to me practice is is how you show up is the verb yeah, yeah. you know it's like you are there it doesn't matter if you make a shitty painting no. or an amazing painting like you were there and whatever you did that day and the way is that enhancing use- your knowledge and the way that they're using it also is like to describe a, the end of the process yes <laughs> you know the object is is like the ending point of that particular whatever process that started that piece may, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, and it's like the same thing, you know, like with doctors and lawyers, like they all use that, they use practice, you know? And I think it's because like a lawyer wouldn't call their, see, how do I say this? I mean, their entire like learning and evolving. I think they use it because when you're a doctor and a lawyer, like you can't possibly learn everything at once and in individual cases or individual. And that's when they learn. And so to me, that's Mm. why they use it as a practice. I have never confirmed this. Yeah. yeah. I've never confirmed this with a doctor or a lawyer, but it sounds, it it doesn't, I never thought of it, but that's uh, why I think they do a lot of research. They definitely have a practice that's specific, you know, and it's growing. That's, I guess the part to me that that's why it's practice. It's Mm -hmm. growing because they're going to take on this one case and it's totally different. So they have to go into a different direction and research that. And, but they wouldn't call like this specific case, you know, that's the law that, you know, like that yeah, one, yeah. because it's everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, I think no, it's it the is, idea it of is. like growing and living instead of just like that thing that you made. Yeah. That thing you made in a way, it's everything we do, but it's also like kind of inconsequential to the practice. Yes. Whether definitely. you made a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't matter. Totally agree. Um, I'm actually curious cause you brought up perception, but I took us off course. What, what is, what, what are your thoughts on perception? I was just excited. I was like, Oh, Hey, I can relate to the idea of perception. Well, I think it is like really fluid. It can be, I mean, I'm sort of a gray person 
a lot of the time. Like I tend to see both sides okay. of a situation, <laughs> or at least I try to. I thought you might mean like sad no, <laughs> or goth. <laughs> but I do really like the color gray. Like it's my favorite color. Sorry. But um, so I think that there's always good and bad and there's always bad and good. And I think, you know, like a mm. lot of my work has always had, you know, lots of different contrasting elements. Cause that's what I think life is. Like, I don't think everything is, you know, good or bad. And I think when you look, you know, back to like the Facebook thing, it's like, I've seen just as many, you know, shitty liberals as I have yeah. shitty, you know, right wing people and no one is exempt from shitty behavior. But if your perception is like everything you do is right. I know it's very, it's very complicated because politically I believe that you have to be like powerful and not adamant, but I do think you need to fight for what Mm. you think is right. Yeah. You know, but in, in art, I'm not huge into political art because I just think it's like speaking to the choir. I appreciate a lot of it. I'm not interested in any of it, doing it personally. Um, I also don't think it's very effective in a real way. I think it's effective in in hearts, in individual people's hearts, but they already believed (laughs) if you're, you're probably a liberal, if you're an artist and then you're probably making liberal political art. So like, I wonder, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some, some conservative, there are, if you're conservative, write to me, cause I want to have you on the show. (laughs) Trump Trump has them. He had, he collects conservative artists. You should totally have one. That would be great. But, um, I kind of lost. I mean, I wouldn't have you on to debate you. I'm just curious right. about how you 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 uh, you um, rationalize not not and I, that's almost how you justify the loop, you know? Because mm-hmm. I do I, I I do know some people that are that identify themselves as libertarian who I think of as artists, even though they're lawyers, you know? Because, mm-hmm. um, but that is an interesting thing, and I think yeah. Um, but I think, um, oh wait, shit, I just lost my point again. Oh, uh, so yeah, I do find that whole, the idea of perception, it's, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, uh, like, okay, so LSD, I once was tripping on it and I was walking <laughs> through, <laughs> and I was walking in like a forest, whatever, uh, in one direction and it was like all wonder and crazy and it was great and then I turned around and I started walking back and I was like oh shit I'm in a backwards world right and so that in terms of like all I had to do was realize that like I was just turned around and I was mm-hmm. walking back and that's why you know obviously I was on drugs but those little perception tricks that, that happen to you where, you're, where your brain is like um if you could just see over the edge of that thought right and you see what's on the other side like it's like it opens up the world to you a little bit totally. in, in, you know but i think that there's also something that happens where there's like a protectiveness towards your perception right because if you've believed in something for a long time and it's wrong <laughs> it can be it's, difficult right yeah right so so there's like a lot of different things i find i find perception really fascinating which mm-hmm. is like why that idea of 
um, you know, like the, the idea of postmodernist magic is the idea of selectively believing in things until they no longer serve you. So, like, the, mm. my favorite example is, like, if I, I'm somewhat of an apathist, I don't really give much of a fuck. Like, in terms <laughs> of, like, whether there is a God, I just, um, it's not something, it's not my top pursuit. Mm-hmm. In in life, I find things that are a lot more interesting to worry about than metaphysics. But um, whenever I'm low and I'm, like, fucking, you know, oh, shit, life isn't going well. I, I You know, like, I'd definitely be like, hey, God, can you please help me out? Mm-hmm. That, I'd say, is a postmodern approach to magical belief where, okay, it made me feel better. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm no longer worried about God. Right. I'm good. <laughs> you I'm know, good. But, but, but then I could just as easily be mad at myself for doing that and being like, oh, that's so irrational. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't need God. There is no God. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, I can also just be okay with like how complicated my perception is and what I need. You right. Know? And seeing yeah. both sides of it. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Which is not to say that like... Religion can't be problematic, <laughs> you know. I think that the the myopic self righteousness is where we get into problems, right? Which is why I like doing the show because, like, I basically have people talk to me about things that are outside of my reality, right? Which is helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think too, it's like I, I don't, I don't attack politics in my own work, but yeah. what I started doing is looking at like the larger, I guess in a way, like a philosophical look at yeah. perception and just taking it down a level and saying like, well, how do you know something is right? What if it's, what if it's not right? You know, yeah. like I've been wrong many times in my life and I did a series last year um, I have this archive and so I can use the archive in this weird way doing database searches uh-huh. and I can use these things that I collect as like hieroglyphics. So mm-hmm. I was sort of making these sequential statements okay. kind of made up of paintings. Do you That's have a, kind of a long story, but, um, can, can I start the sequentials, the sequential statements on series two and go to like series three? <laughs> yeah. Well, they were all separate. <laughs> they were all separate. But, um, and they were all very fluid, like Uh they could change all the time. But I guess what I started doing is that I started thinking about all of these things in my life, times in my life that like my perception was flipped or was wrong, you know? And the first one that I thought of was, um... So I did these sentences and that was like the title of the work and in each word was a painting uh-huh. that I mined from my archive. archive. Um, but the first one that started it all was um, swimming up to the ocean floor because I had been in the ocean, spent a lot of time at the beach when I was a little kid, uh-huh. love body surfing and just getting like pummeled. Second Not body a good, surfer. Well, no, he was a bodyboarder, Border. which I oh, didn't shit. know <laughs> what that meant. So I was so glad that you were like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know what that means. But oh my God, the idea of going on pipeline on like essentially like a high powered boogie board, it sounds frightful. Yeah. Like, oh my God, amazing. <laughs> but um, so basically, um, and I'm not... A, 
I can't surf. I can't do anything like that, but I can, <laughs> I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard, but I body surf. And so this wave came and, you know, just got pummeled and pushed yeah, around. Yeah. You're in the, in the washing machine and then, okay, it's over. And I go to swim up for air and I hit my chin on the sand. Oh. Thankfully, it was a sandy bottom. I hit my chin yeah, yeah. on the sand at the bottom, so I had been swimming down instead of oh, swimming up. that's disorienting as fuck. Yeah, and so that's always stayed with me. as, the, And it didn't hurt at the time. I always kind of, unless it was like a scary getting pummeled. Yeah. I, I love, I think it's really fun if it's... To almost die. No, not <laughs> a feel scary like could... one, but like a fun, like a good old fashioned yeah. whooping, you know, like you're just pummeled. But, um, I am scared and of the even ocean. at the time I, I remember feeling my chin. I was like, that was just the weirdest experience. Thing. Yeah. And then later, you know, I always remembered it and it just was like a perfect metaphor. It was very like post Trump, like this is how I feel, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. I feel like I was doing this and then all of a sudden it was doing that and so I started looking at all these times in my life that I I had perceived something wrong whether it was like an emo like a physical experience like that uh-huh. an emotional experience a visual experience and with the idea of like I'm you you just can't always assume you're right which oh, is yeah. In, in in real life, I think you can, if you're like fighting for something politically, like you have to assume you're right. But I was taking it into sort of an art world mm. openness of like, well, what happens when we start to like question ourselves and, and what we think? Yeah. And the interesting thing is I was trying to, I had met an artist and I was trying to give her, this was right when I was like in the middle of all that. Mm. And I was trying to like give her an idea of like what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't know me and was kind of like, but I mean, things are wrong. There are things when things are wrong, they are wrong. And I was like, <laughs> no, I understand that, but I'm kind of talking on a different level. No, 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 no. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, Oh, that's one of those situations. Was like, she an this artist? Is, yeah. And oh. it was a very, um, I remember feeling kind of like embarrassed. I get what she was saying. Yeah. She doesn't know me. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. She doesn't know what you were trying to get at. Exactly. So I don't even blame her, but it's a really interesting reaction. Like even, I don't care what side of the spectrum you're no. on. We're still going to be like, nope, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's wrong. And it's like, come on. Well, yeah, it's very uh, narrow thinking. But I think that it doesn't account for, like, all the conditioning that we have, you mm-hmm. know, in believing certain things. Like, um, yeah, just just basic things about how, you know, like, just even religious bullshit. Like, for example, not being able to throw away a crucifix. I still have one, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't realize that. <laughs> and then my friend Tony was like, yeah, you have crucifixes dude <laughs> like, that's like conditioning totally you know like but it is it, it it's like you do you, even though i was aware that i couldn't throw it away like i just didn't realize how impactful that right. conditioning is like where i'm like oh that's normal that i would feel that way but like no that's not fucking normal you know yeah well like jews you're not allowed to write god yeah and so you write g slash d and so one day i had like said to my my boyfriend we had been together for a long time we were texting and i was like later on i was like 
by the way, do you know like why he was like, no, I'm, <laughs> like I'm texting God and I still can't <laughs> like, it's a digital medium, yeah. you know? And I don't even remember what it is. Like you're not supposed to write it. Cause it's like, it's, it's not right. And like yeah. a thousand Torahs will burn. I don't know. It's some, <laughs> it's some thing, but like all my friends who are Jewish, who are not even religious, they still, yeah, yeah, none yeah. of us, you just, it's that conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so strange. And I, and so that's what I'm interested in now. And like, we, I, I'm trying to not go again into politics, <laughs> but that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, which is like, what are the assumptions that we have just as being like even Americans? Or, you know, what are the assumptions that we have on capitalism because we've been given a specific narrative and shit right. like that? You know, like one of the things that I'm like, you know, trying to put out there, <laughs> which is not an, an original idea. It's like, yeah, capitalism won because of slavery. You know, like, it's not, like, sacred. It's not, like, just this super, like, special thing. Mm-hmm. It thrived because right, right. Uh, on the backs of people. Yeah. And not just, like, here in the U.S., like, right. internationally forever. Right. <laughs> and that's why capitalism wins, mm-hmm. you know? And then and so, so if we get past that assumption then like what are those little discoveries that i'm going to make about my perception you mm-hmm. know with that assumption for myself now that i'm like living in that space i'm like fuck what am i going to run into Could, like because like i do make assumptions and this mm-hmm. is all tied into like well, how we they're so deep they're yeah. so old yeah 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 you know and they're almost not your fault but for your own mental health it might be good to like address them kind of thing well I think it's, it really is good to question everything, even for me to say that like, you know, we need to be open, like perception is, you know, fluid and it's, it changes all the time. It's like, but that what happens, then you also have to say no. Cause like, what about fighting for justice? Like no, absolutely. you can't be fluid. No, like yeah, you yeah. have to. So even when you're being open <laughs> about yeah. different I think parts that, of perception you have to still but i think that i'm I, I i i think that there is an opportunity to use that as a helpful tool to sort of check your like it's that whole check your privilege like you know th- that's a very common thing that mm-hmm. a lot of people are saying in, in society and stuff like that and it's like okay but then let's also check our natural national privilege and yeah, how we like totally. interact with other countries mm-hmm. and how we think it's okay to just go and be like, yo, you can't have your government because, mm-hmm. you know, and like there's a lot of nuance to why that is that's very political that we will, <laughs> that you can listen to that podcast if you want to. <laughs> but, but it's it's very, even, you know, like even people think that our money is based on nothing and that, and, and but if that were true, like then it's based on something. So what is it based on? And that's what I talk about in that episode. It's just like, um, there is a value to it. And like, we don't even really think about it on a day to day basis. Where's that value coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not coming from gold like it used to. It's coming from the fact that people buy, uh, oil in us dollars. And when people stop buying oil in us dollars, we go and take them over. So like, it's all these, like these 
so like I think it can be healthy to question your right and wrongs and and maybe get a little bit more meta, which is kind of what I was going into that postmodern. I think that like that's this is this is why I do this show. I think artists think like this. I mm-hmm. think artists are uh, you know that's also a trigger word for a lot of people, but are postmodern in their thinking where they can look at an idea from over here and even they if they don't agree with it completely they can maybe like oh there's interesting merits because part of what we are trained to do is question things and question you know even if it's on a very basic level of right. visual arts if this then that if you know yeah, all we're the- supposed to turn everything inside out like yeah it's, exactly we're not bankers who are well yeah. not that a banker is a great example but you know no, it's it, not is a, a, it is a pretty good we're example not, we're not really supposed to be like linear there's not a common wisdom that we all have to subscribe to. There's mm-hmm. not like there there aren't there are scholarly breakthroughs per se, you know, but then but there is like for example when Clement Greenberg comes out and says everything needs to be flat, like you can challenge that, mm-hmm. right? And it is kind of your job to challenge that or else painting becomes boring forever and fucking ever, right? Um so you know yeah, I find that really interesting. I find I'm like I have always had artists tell me post oh this is postmodern, postmodern and it was always this inaccessible word. Mm-hmm. You know, and like slowly through understanding this idea of chaos magic of like how to deal with magical belief because it works for me on a on a personal level, right? Like if I if I'm challenging my own personal beliefs, which it sounds like you you get to do through the practice of uh of almost tuning out from the creative process by doing the the practice of the uh, yoga that mm-hmm. you're talking about. But if I start to become aware of my magical thinking, then I can challenge the things that don't serve me and I can catch rituals. Like when I'm like, oh, I'm such an asshole. Like I catch that as a ritual and now I realize, okay, well, that's why it's a belief, you know? Like mm. my reaction to something that that I did wrong in the past that makes me cringe makes me say that I'm an asshole. And so by doing that, I'm doing a ritual of like remembering something and confirming that I think I'm an asshole, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that becomes a belief that, hey, on a, some underlying level, I am a bit of an asshole, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Or same thing with laziness or same thing, with, you know? Um, so so I find all of this shit is really powerful, like mm-hmm. where, but also very dangerous because once you start to fuck with your perception, you can fuck with your perception really bad. Well, yeah, you can keep... <laughs> keep if you start to question then what happens when you just question everything and then then there's no you become a flat earther (laughs) yeah and then there's no reality either i mean that's when i go through these like political news rabbit holes yeah where i'm just like nothing is true like you see the spectrum of facts quote-unquote facts from every the full spectrum yeah and then it's like, okay, so nothing is true because they're all saying different things and putting them as facts. But I think it is, you're right, the selective, yeah, you know, but it's just, oh, it's But it's very... also, it's also very powerful magic, right? Because like, I think that like, you're making statements that are not real, like when you're putting out fake news, you're making statements that are not factual, but... You're putting them out there so that people that want to believe them can believe them. So there's like mm-hmm. a a willingness and a that maybe on one end it's sinister, whereas the on the receiving end it's a little naive. Mm-hmm. But there is sorcery at play there, where yeah. where where you're creating 
false narratives that become realities that, that are interesting to me. And also I think that, and I've been a total victim of this, uh, maybe victim is the wrong word. You want something to be true. Fuck yeah. So someone, <laughs> the someone world is good. says, guess what? You don't have a problem. Even yeah. though you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, this, this pipe is broken. Yeah, yeah. I know it's broken. Yeah, yeah. And then your plumber's like, I actually, I don't think it's broken. <laughs> and you're like, okay, the pipe's not broken. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you, you really want someone to deliver that magical yeah, yeah. good news that is wrong. You know, it's wrong. Absolutely. But you're just going to, you know, put those blinders on and be like, woohoo, life is great. You know? And I think, you know, I mean, I know I've done that. A lot of people think we all are guilty. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, but I think that that's what makes it so fascinating when like, with reason, we're like, you're fucking idiots for believing in God or something like that. Like, right? Like, there's like, um, there's this documentary about flat earthers, which it has... It's a really interesting one. It's on Netflix and it has, uh, it's called uh, Beyond the Curve, I think. And it has people from MIT, like, you know, advocating for sympathy for flat earthers, not condescension, because that's kind of how you push them farther and farther away, mm. right? There's like a mistrust in authority. And in, and if you're like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. So I, I, I'm... I'm really interested in this like idea of like okay like people have bad ideas but to tell them that they have bad ideas is going to make them defensive of them right you know in this very strange way well that's also like with Trump's whole base yes you know it's like a lot of them really are hurting in whatever realm yeah. whether it's an economic realm or a healthcare realm yeah. or whatever and for us to just say, you guys are a bunch of assholes, you're all wrong, <laughs> like, doesn't really It doesn't help, help their problems. They're not going to vote for you because, you know, like, Exactly, yeah. and so they're going to be vehemently, like, for yeah. this person who, even if they're telling, even if he's telling them lies, he's not putting them down. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's at least telling them, you know, to tell somebody what they want to hear. It's that that's that lie. That's that spell that he's casting, right? Mm -hmm. They want to hear that. You know, it's like that pipe that was broken that you wanted to hear yeah. was was not broken. That's exactly what he's doing. It's not true, but there is a desire to believe that. Right. And so, yeah. And this I is think... really interesting. I, I like I I I I think that uh I like talking to artists because of these conversations, you know, yeah. like it's, 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 uh, it's, it's maybe a little bit, I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but it's a little bit abstract, right? We're like having to check in and sort of figure out what we're talking about to begin with. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, this is fun. <laughs> not to kill the conversation through flattery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love, I mean, not to sound like a big dork, but I do. I love artists and, you know, even artists who make like weird, crazy shit that I'm just kind of like, I can't really relate. Yeah. I'm so happy that they made it anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, if not, we'd all be bankers. I don't yeah. know why I keep bringing up bankers. Well, there is a, an interesting thing about them where they are creative with things that actually affect our lives. True. Right? <laughs> like when we make a bad painting or whatever the fuck, it doesn't destroy people's lives. True. But they get creative and they maybe should do a little bit and more. They, exactly. More of your yoga practice and know, know that there's like a sequence where it's like, 
if you uh, can't hold the, uh, <laughs> you know, speculative banking pose for exactly. <laughs> at the same time as the, you know, private banking or whatever the fuck the other type mm-hmm. of banking is. Whatever. Yeah, and you can't skip steps. Yeah, you can't skip You're not allowed, you know? Like, you gotta, you gotta go through it. You can't, can't trim the fat and throw yeah. away the steak. <laughs> my yoga teacher Said the yogi. would be like, oh my god, I'm a vegetarian. How dare you? <laughs> What's My Thesis is produced by Javier Proenza, who is talking in the third person. Reach out at whatsmythesis at gmail.com and follow us on all social media at whatsmythesis. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you donate to our Patreon, this is where I'll give you a shout out and make up what kind of art you make based entirely on your name and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs>